Now they have a quarterback that I think can elevate his play to the point in which it becomes a shootout. They could potentially stay in it. So I think they're actually very, very well positioned this year to be even more competitive than they were a year ago. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Welcome to Always College Football. I'm Greg McElroy along with Mark Kubiak and Jack Foster. We have a terrific Thursday show for you today. Usually on Thursdays, you guys know this by now, we have Chris the Bear Felica. Well, we do have some games, but not enough to really warrant going through game by game and trying to kind of dial up some of the lines. But we're going to take a look at the games for you. We're going to break down some of the games for Friday. We're going to, that's right, we're going to ranked matchup on Friday. We also have the Bahamas Bowl, which is the bowl destination above all bowl destinations. <laughs> I've called it. It's phenomenal. We're going to break those games down. They're actually pretty good matchups. I might add as well. And we're going to continue on with our series of Throwback Thursday. What does that mean? Well, for those that missed it last week, we're taking one team a week and we're going to just kind of break down their season, kind of go game by game, talk a little bit about where they're at, talk a little bit about maybe what's to come here as the playoffs get underway. And also we're going to kind of talk about what the future might look like for this particular team and today's team, the Michigan Wolverines. We will do our victory lap, perhaps, uh, in a few minutes. So just stick around for that. Uh, we might have been the first arrivals at the party for the Michigan Wolverines this year here at Always College Football. So we will take a minute to gloat. Uh, we don't get everything right, that's for sure. But when we do, you're going to hear about it, all right? <laughs> but, so we'll do our throwback Thursday. We're, of course, going to break down some bowl games. Uh, and we might even, you know, get into some picks, if you will, when it comes to these bowl, bowl games as well. And the coaching hire involving one of these teams that's playing tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit, just a little bit, about what things look like with UAB and Trent Dilfer. An opportunity to dive in to that as well. So a lot to get to. Let's stop wasting time. Let's talk about it. Presented by AT&T 5G. All right. The Michigan season recap. Our throwback Thursday Edition number two. Uh, Michigan is number two uh, overall. <laughs> Didn't require a whole lot of explanation. Let's start with who Michigan was coming into the season. A lot of people wondering, hey, they had to replace some key pieces on the defensive side, have a couple of, of bookends that were terrorizing opposing offenses, lost a couple key pieces on the offensive side. Sitting there thinking, I think Blake Quorum can be the number one back but I don't know if he's going to be an every down complete workhorse. I'm not so sure about the quarterback situation. You got the McNamara guy against the McCarthy guy. So there was a, you had to replace two coordinators. I mean, there was a lot of question marks around the Michigan program. And to be frank, I, I didn't think they'd take a massive step back. I just liked their culture and foundation with, with which they've been built on. But I thought, you know, nine and three, 10 and two in that vicinity, 12 and no, that was a difficult thing to forecast. Let's start with the beginning of the season. Can we please, please, this is my request to the Michigan faithful or those that are in the administration. And I know what you're going to say already. You're going to say, well, they play nine conference games and, and I, that's a lot. And I, did, I, I get it. All right. You don't need to explain the why. I understand that there was a UCLA game that was on the schedule that got canceled. Like, I get it. But... <laughs> When your non-conference consists of Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, now you can also tell me, well, UConn's a bowl team. Yeah, they are. 
solid football team. We didn't know that week three. So I was very disappointed with the non-conference schedule that Michigan came out of the gates to. But they did, I think, in some ways, it benefited them an awful lot because they were able to kind of get McCarthy going a little bit, able to gel the offensive line, work in some pieces on the defense without getting too aggressive, without doing a whole lot on that side of the ball. So you're able to kind of bottle things up and kind of just have some glorified dress rehearsals there in the first three weeks of the season. Beat Colorado State 51-7, to beat Hawaii 56-10, to and you beat Maryland, uh, you beat UConn. Uh, 59 to nothing. So good performances. Nonetheless, I digress. Please, in the future, can we get a non-conference game against a quality opponent? Not for, I, look, even if they lose it, like I, I, I get it. Like I just, I just would like to see you play somebody a little bit tougher. All right. And this is not like, this, this goes for everybody. I might add, this is not exclusive to Michigan. Anybody that plays a weak non-conference play somebody good. That's for all of college football. All right. Sign and seal all of college football. Then things got started against Maryland and I think a lot of us looked at that game and said, well, Maryland's pretty good. I mean, they got some they got some horsepower. They have some pieces. They have some really good perimeter weapons. Defensively, they're surprisingly athletic and can create some issues for you. But this will be a good test to be able to assess exactly where Michigan is relative to where they were last year. And I think it was a massive coming out party for Blake Corum. In the process, he went for 250, just about 250, not quite, 243 to be exact. And it really was just so, so impressive to watch that offensive line start to come on. And, and at this point, wasn't totally impressed with everything they did. I actually, in this game, Came away thinking to myself, you know, I, I think Michigan's pretty good. I think Maryland's pretty good, I might add. But, man, Michigan, they, they might have some holes. Because that game, albeit 34-27, and Maryland, like we talked about a second ago, I mean, they gave Ohio State all they wanted. Like, they played good in big games. They did. But, for the most part, would have liked to have seen just a slightly more convincing victory against a team that you would think that they're quite a bit better than. That was at that point, Right. Then they went and they went on the road to Iowa. Iowa struggled to score there until the second half, made a couple of touchdowns late to kind of make it look a little better than it was. Uh, it was not a great offensive performance by any stretch of the imagine, but any, any stretch of the imagination. But for the most part, man, Iowa kind of makes games messy. I mean, that's a good win. You go on the road to Iowa, it's a good win. A team that's physical, a team that, that is going to try to make you earn yardage, plus – naturally, as an offense, you're probably going to be a little bit more conservative when playing against Iowa because, frankly, they're probably not going to be able to outscore you. So the only way that they're going to be able to pretty much stay in the game is if you turn the ball over, give them the short field, make mistakes in the in the third phase, the special teams category. So thought it was a little bit of a ho-hum game, so to speak, for Michigan. But still, you go on the road and you play against a physical team like Iowa, there's nothing to be ashamed of, especially when you get out to a 20 to nothing lead and the fourth quarter it's almost as if they kind of took their foot off the gas just a little bit but ultimately it was never really that competitive the final score would tell you that they won by 13 but really watch it from start to finish it was all Michigan that day then they went and played against Indiana nobody at that point felt like that was a real indicator of what they were going to be right but it was week six or so October 15th was the day and it was a massive noon kickoff against Penn State there in the big house. 
Penn State was a top 10 football team. Michigan coming into the game was around, what, number three or four or five in that vicinity. I don't know exactly where they were, but long story short, this was the opportunity that we were finally going to figure out whether or not Michigan was for real. We found out quickly just how for real they were. And I remember this game vividly. Every single snap, I remember sitting there on the edge of my seat, just loving what I was seeing from this group collectively up front along the offensive line. You look at the game and you look at the halftime score, there was only a two-point lead for Michigan. They were up 16-14 because, remember, they had that absurd pick six by Curtis Jacobs that was taken back to the house and that really was about all. They couldn't really do much. I mean, you look at Penn State, they didn't do much offensively the whole first half, and yet it was a two-point margin. But, man, if you watch the second half of that football game, it was clinical. Absolute clinic. Yes, Penn State got the ball coming out of halftime, went down, kicked a field goal, took the lead momentarily, but it wasn't two minutes later when Donovan Edwards broke off a 70-yard touchdown run. And then Blake Corum, a few plays later, 61-yard touchdown run right up the gut. And if you look at how those Penn State defenders were getting displaced, you knew at that point, oh boy, this to me is as complete and as dominant a performance by a team in the second half I'd seen this season. They were dominant, completely dominant. 418 rushing yards against what is and what we've learned is a pretty dang good defensive group there for Manny Diaz and Penn State. So that was the coming out party. I remember at that point, that was when we here at Always College Football put them number one in the country. So that was the best performance against a quality team that I'd seen this season. They were sitting at number one for us that following week. Now, remember, that was October 15th. So we were early to the party. They went on, parlayed that performance into a dominant victory against Michigan State, which was a little bit of an issue, right? They, they were kind of the thorn in the side for Michigan in the last couple of years, and they hadn't really played great against Sparty. Well, they did this time around, and Corum backed up the performance with another great effort, 177 yards in the process against Michigan State. And that's a team that loves to stop the run, and a team that traditionally has been pretty good against the run. Well, 177 for Corum in the effort. I mean, the great performances by him kind of become basically weekly. <laughs> you could depend on Corum, at least leading up until the Illinois game. He was going to be a guy that's going to go for 100 and change, maybe more, maybe 150 or more <laughs> every single week. Dominated Michigan State, dominated Rutgers, beat Nebraska convincingly, a game that some people thought might be kind of close. No, it wasn't at all. 34-3, to completely one-sided effort. And then you get into the final couple games of the regular season. You have Illinois. Illinois, by the way, a really good football team, a team that's physical, a team that's great along the front defensively, a team that loves to be able to run the football, a team that has, I think, the similar calling card to what Michigan is. And they matched the physicality and they matched the intensity of what the Wolverines brought to them. But it wasn't enough. Michigan ultimately made timely plays there in a two-minute situation to kick the game-winning field goal. And Moody, of course, drains it like he always does. That effort was then parlayed into the next week's performance at Ohio State. And I was not surprised by the performance because we had talked all season long, had said, look, Michigan is in some ways better along the offensive line than they were last year. 
how do you know that Ohio State's that much better defensively? Like we asked that question, and we here at Always College Football picked Michigan to beat Ohio State. Everyone said we were crazy. Well, we believed in Michigan because I think they have the kryptonite to Ohio State Superman. They're great along both lines of scrimmage. They don't give up big plays. They make you earn it. They're excellent in the red zone. So as the field condenses defensively, you are going to have a difficult time scoring on them because you're not going to be able to run it down their throat when the field condenses. And if you can eliminate the big plays like Michigan was able to do against Ohio State, then you can make them human, make them patient, make them human. And that's exactly what Michigan did. That second half performance, I talked about the second half performance that we saw from Penn State and that became a theme all season long. Well, it was best on display, perhaps, besides a Penn State game. Was Best on display was probably against Ohio State. What a second half. Of course, Donovan Edwards, an all-time great performance, 216 yards in the process, had 170 in the fourth quarter alone, and a couple of long runs that obviously put that game out of reach. And then finally in the Big Ten Championship, you take care of Purdue. Was a pretty close game there at halftime, but of course Michigan does what they always do. They pull away in the second half. Summing things up, Olu Oluwatimi, what an incredible season he had at center. Just an incredible season. Did an incredible job stepping in. He was named a second team All-American. How? I don't know. I don't necessarily watch all the centers in America, but the people that I trust, like Cole Kublik, he tells me he's the best. I'm going to trust Cole Kublik on that. Cole Kublik played center, loves offensive line play, and studies it like there's no tomorrow for the Joe Moore Award. And he, along with all the other members of the Joe Moore Award team, have them sitting as one of the finalists, one of two finalists, I might add, for the Joe Moore Award. And remember, Michigan won it last year. So this is a team that was able to replace some key pieces and I think in some ways actually improve along the offensive line. They have established quarterback now in J.J. McCarthy, who came on so strong at the end of the season, thought he played beautifully against Ohio State, hit some big plays, kept him honest, also used his legs from time to time. And I think the team now will be more competitive in a playoff situation because of the upside they now have at quarterback. I think Cade McNamara is a terrific quarterback. I think he's a great player. Uh, I don't think he's crazy elite. And I don't think he has crazy, crazy high ceiling, but he's steady. Now they have a quarterback that I think can elevate his play to the point in which it becomes a shootout. They could potentially stay in it. So I think they're actually very, very well positioned this year to be even more competitive than they were a year ago. Blake Corum, first team All-American, should have been a Heisman Trophy finalist. There are about six or seven guys that I thought should have been in New York. He unfortunately didn't have enough votes to be able to make the trip. But if you're going to sit here and put together a list of the best players in college football this year, if your list does not include Blake Corum, you're wrong. And then you look at also what Jake Moody did. He was a second team All-American, of course, won the Groza last year, was a Groza finalist this year, made a lot of clutch kicks throughout the course of the season as well. So just a terrific team. Now, what does it mean for the future? Are they going to be more competitive against Georgia if given the opportunity to play Georgia for the national championship? I don't know. Of course, a lot between now and then. But I think that this Michigan team is better than they were a year ago. And that Michigan team last year is one that I really, really liked. However, in a playoff setting, you're not going to be able to out Georgia, Georgia. So if given the opportunity, 
They're going to have to air it out. They're going to have to spread them out. And I think this team might, just might, have the firepower to be able to do so if the opportunity presents itself. Let's Talk About It is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Is checking your team stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope, because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, welcome to bowl season, everybody. All right, today... Obviously, we don't have any games, but here, about 24 hours from now, we have action. And then on Saturday, in tomorrow's show, we're going to take you through the triple header, the quadruple header, all the different bowl games that are going to be played on the 17th. We are going to dive in. So we will get there, I promise. But we're going to start with a couple games on Friday, and it gets kicked off appropriately from the Bahamas, the hometown lenders Bahamas Bowl. All right. I love this matchup. You're going to sit there and say, Greg, what? Miami, Ohio against UAB? Well, first of all, I love the Bahamas. <laughs> Second of all, I think this is an intriguing matchup. If you look at the MAC teams, and really historically, MAC teams have fared well, uh, fared well in the Bahamas at times. I don't, I don't know what their record is overall, but I've called the Bahamas Bowl, and, and I feel like that game, Buffalo put – Charlotte to bed pretty quickly. So maybe I'm just a prisoner of the own moment that I was in. Uh, But if I remember precisely, really for the most part, you have a fairly intriguing matchup though here. Miami, Ohio. And by the way, we got to be very careful when breaking down some of these games, because if I'm going to be completely honest, we really don't know who's playing. (laughs) if, If you do, You're lying because I know that even the games that I'm calling and the coaches that I talk to and the coaches that I've talked to in the last couple years, they've gone into games, warmed up, only to be told by their, say, star player that he's not playing. So take it for what it's worth. We're going to do our best to try to break these things down, but without full transparency about who's available and who's unavailable, we're just going to do the best we can. Looking at Miami, Ohio, you're probably really going to like their quarterback and you're probably going to recognize his last name. All right. Brett Gabbert was in the portal for a moment, likely coming. Now he's coming back to school. I don't know if he's going to play in this game. I don't know if he's not. You also have Avion Smith, who made several starts this year as well. So whoever the quarterback is, I'm not 100% sure, but we shall find out. Uh, Avion Smith also led the team in rushing, went for over 500 this year on the ground. This is not a team that's great offensively. Miami, Ohio at times uh, in the past has had excellent offensive football, but really this year they've had to kind of grind out some games. And the last time we saw them was against Ball State. They grinded that thing out 18-17 
in what was an, a, a very interesting matchup. So you look at where Miami, Ohio is right now, six and six football team, and we're not sure who their quarterback's going to be, which leads me to my next <laughs> matchup, the other side of the matchup, UAB. I like UAB to win this game, I might add. UAB features probably one of the best rushing attacks that you just don't know that much about. If you don't, learn about Dwayne McBride. This dude is the real deal. Led the country in rushing 1,700 yards. Dylan Hopkins is their quarterback. He's a very, very steady quarterback. 63% passer. Not going to throw a ton of touchdowns. They don't have crazy productivity as it relates to their touchdowns through the air because they're just such a heavy ground and pound attack. Dwayne McBride, I thought, had as good a season at running back as just about anybody. 19 touchdowns, seven and a half yards a carry. The guy was really terrific from start to finish all season long, and the offensive line's very good as well. You're also going to notice, too, Fish McWilliams is a name that you need to remember, and you're probably going to say, Fish McWilliams, how could I ever forget? Well, you shouldn't. He is a game changer in the front along the defensive line for UAB. So remember that name, and you're going to hear it a lot. The Bahamas Bowl, whoever's calling it, I believe it's Steve Levy because he's the unofficial voice of the Bahamas Bowl, even though he seems to always get that assignment. He brought me one year, but hasn't brought me back. Must not be a great company. But either way, Fish McWilliams is going to be a guy that's going to be very, very disruptive along the front for UAB's defense. So I think UAB gets it done. Also, it's the first opportunity that we will probably have to hear from Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, of course, the new head coach of the UAB Blazers. He comes down from a private school in Nashville. He is going to be the new head coach. And what does the team look like moving forward? We're going to have Trent on the show. Trent's a good friend of mine. He does a terrific job in being very diverse with the types of offensive looks that he's going to give to the opposition. They do a ton of stuff, and it's going to be very interesting. I hope that they have a visit with him because Trent's great on television, <laughs> naturally. I hope they have a visit with him, and he can help kind of lay out what it's going to look like for UAB in the years to come because he obviously has a Super Bowl ring with the Baltimore Ravens back in the early 2000s, and I think that level of credibility is going to be really impactful on the recruiting trail. So very excited for Trent Dilfer and look forward to him being on hand there in the Bahamas to watch his team play or his future team play. Well, that's the early game. That gets off at 1130 Eastern time. So if you're looking for some Friday matinee action, look no further. We got it coming to you live from the Bahamas. But that's not the only game on Friday. We also have one of the best bowl matchups of the season. Three o'clock on ESPN, UTSA, the 25th ranked UTSA, takes on the Troy Trojans. I love this matchup. Love it. I love so much that it gets a window to itself there in the Duluth trading uh, Cure Bowl. I almost said Care Bowl, <laughs> but it's Cure Bowl. C-U-R-E. Uh, the Duluth trading Cure Bowl. UTSA and Troy. Let's start with UTSA. Frank Harris is the name you need to know. Frank Harris feels like he's been around for quite a while. He has. He wears number zero. You're going to love this UTSA team. Recognize the players on it. There's going to be some guys that you've seen in the past. They've been around and have won a lot of games for Jeff Trailer, who does a phenomenal job, just a phenomenal job there in San Antonio. This is a really, really good football team. Frank Harris is the straw that serves the drink at quarterback. Last time out against North Texas, he 
torched the mean green, went for 350 and four touchdowns on 37 attempts, completed 32 of 37, I might add. And he's announced already that he's coming back next year. So I love very much that Frank Harris is going to return. Barnes at running back is excellent. They used to rely a little bit more on the run game. With Sincere McCormick back in 2021, they were really, really heavy in the run game. Not as much anymore. They are a little bit more balanced now as Frank Harris has kind of shouldered the load there for the Roadrunners. Pretty good on the defensive side as well. But for the most part, man, that offense is electric. You're really going to enjoy what you've seen from them. And then on the other side, John Summerall, who's the head coach at Troy, he has done a great job here in the last couple of years. And look at this team. They, of course, they they won the Sun Belt. Uh, a lot to be proud of with what they've accomplished this year. This is an 11-win football team. Both of these teams, I might add, 11 wins. Combining for 22 wins outside of the playoffs is not something that you see every day. And it's not often that you see on the first day of the bowl season two teams that are ranked in the top 25. But this is a phenomenally good football team on both sides of the field. They have done a great job all season long defensively. Remember, this is a team that has two losses. Two losses, okay? They lost on a Hail Mary at Appalachian State. Hail Mary! And one of the most improbable endings of the college football season, and they lost. And then they also lost in week one to Ole Miss. And that was when Ole Miss at that point had a little bit of they had some secrets up their sleeve. No one really knew what Ole Miss was going to be this year. No one knew about Quinshawn Judkins. Well, the first team that had to find out about it was Troy. And they actually played pretty well, especially in the second half of that football game. They lost 28-10, but they played really well in the second half. They actually only allowed seven points in the second half to an Ole Miss team that was rolling there in the first seven or eight games of the season. So this Troy team played Ole Miss better than most and – lost by way of a Hail Mary. So I think that this is a legit football team. They come in having won nine straight games, excuse me, 10 straight games. This is a really, really good team on both sides. Now, it isn't always pretty offensively. There have been games like at South Alabama where they scored just 10 points, a game against Army where they scored just 10 points. It isn't always pretty offensively, but defensively, man, they do the job. Carlton Marshall is the name that you need to know. When it comes to Troy, he is the NCAA's all-time leading tackler. Nobody in the history of college football has ever made more tackles than Carlton Marshall. He's about 5'8". He's a linebacker. He's a stud. You're going to love him. Doesn't look the part. Isn't going to be the guy that leads you as you get off the bus. But my goodness, is he everywhere. Extremely productive. So we have a great one. I'm taking Troy. I think it's going to be a really good game. I like both programs. I think both will come in feeling really good about what they've done. I just think Troy at this point has been a little bit better on the defensive side. And in a game that might feature some points scored, I want to go with a team that has a slightly better defense. So give me the Troy Trojans and give me the UAB Blazers, two Alabama teams on the first Friday of bowl season. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, awesome show today. Love diving into our Throwback Thursday segment. Always like kind of diving into those games, kind of going game by game and some of the storylines that we were thinking at the time and just how they've been proven true or untrue, what have you. So it's all really been a lot of fun. We've done Georgia. We've done Michigan. Next week, we'll do TCU. And the week after that, guess what? We're probably going to do Ohio State. So I kind of have things to look forward to here in each of the next four Thursdays, uh, each of the next two Thursdays as we get you ready for the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, which will kick off, obviously, on the 31st. So a lot to look forward to here in the next couple of weeks. Keep it locked in right here as we will preview all the bowl games, get you ready. But one thing that we're also going to do, we play Bowl Mania. I love it. You love it. It's basically the March Madness, the brackets, if you will, brackets for football games. I mean, what more could you ask for? And to be honest with you, they're impossible. Uh, I've done the Bowl Mania show on ESPN every single year, and I have never done very well. Now, one year I was in like the top 1%. The other year I was like 63rd percentile. Like I've been all over the place. So we're going to lock it in. We're going to assign some confidence points. And as you can tell by the games I just picked, one I'm very confident in, the other I think is very much a toss-up. I'm going to take the UAB Blazers, and I'm going to assign it a confidence points of 40. That's right, 40 out of 42. So very confident in UAB getting it done down there in the Bahamas, but not as confident that UTSA gets beat by Troy. I'm only going to assign that one. I told you I'm taking Troy. I'm going to assign that one three confidence points. I think it's a complete toss-up. So we shall see how it all goes down. We will unveil some of our other confidence picks tomorrow as we preview the whole weekend slate of games and kind of talk about and pick some winners. So we'll have some fun with that tomorrow. So keep it locked in right here. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends. That's really huge. We don't have a marketing budget. So just tell your friends that we're talking college football. We're going to continue to hit the portal. We're going to continue to hit the coaching carousel. There's a lot that we need to get to here on Always College Football before the season is officially wrapped up. And we don't stop when the season's wrapped up, too. So keep it locked in here on Always College Football. For Mark Kubiak and Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. We so appreciate you being with us, and we hope that you'll check back in with us tomorrow. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey, guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.